When was the last time you experienced an aha moment? I'm not talking about a aha moment, like a, huh, that's interesting, but like a full on mind blown aha moment. A few years ago, uh, we were over at my in-law's house while my mother-in-law was pickling. And uh, I gotta say, our family loves Granny's Pickles. I wanted to bring a jar and show you, but our house was empty, and so the best I could do was provide this image of store-bought pickles. They don't measure up to Granny's. But uh, we went over to their place, and of course, all across her kitchen counter are strewn all kinds of ingredients and jars, and, and I happened to notice, you know, there was some cucumbers there, and so I asked her at the time, I said, what's with the cucumbers? And she looked at me with this kind of confused look, and her confused look only triggered more confusion in me as to why we, she was so confused when I questioned, until after a moment, we both kind of looked at each other and realized what I was asking. Because up until that moment in time, I had never understood that cucumbers actually were pickles. I had no idea. In my mind, for real, pickles, uh, up until that, I was like 45 years old or something, pickles were their own vegetable that you like grew in your garden. Kind of like, you know, when you go to Subway and they ask you what you want on your toppings and you get lettuce and tomato and pickles and onions and green peppers and cucumbers, like they were their own. I had no idea that pickles were just cucumbers that had been pickled. <laughs> Like, mind blown. In fact, you know, even as I share this, I, I, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to, to, to share it because it had such an impact on me when I, when I realized that. It started to make me wonder, like, what else have I been missing out on in life? What, what else did I not have a clue on? If I didn't realize that pickles were just cucumbers that had been pickled, like, what else, what else didn't I get right or, or, or really understand? And it, it actually had kind of a destabilizing impact on me to the point where even today as I talk about it, like I, I believe that so certainly for so long in my life that I still am not totally convinced of it. There, there's still like some hesitancy to even buy into it and, and certainly some hesitancy to open myself up to have my mind blown like that in the future. But today what I wanna to talk about is that hesitancy and how much that hesitancy actually hinders our ability to follow Jesus. That hesitancy to allow our mind to be blown with aha moments actually hinders our life with God. See, fundamental to engaging in a faith in Jesus is to allow our mind to be blown. Jesus said this when he first launched his teaching ministry recorded in uh, Mark chapter one and verse 15. He said there, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus says, if you want to experience the vibrancy of the activity of God in your life, what he refers to as the kingdom of God coming near, coming among us, coming within us, he said there are two ingredients, kind of two prerequisites, to repent and to believe. Now, if you come from a faith background at all, I'm sure the belief part is fairly straightforward. Maybe not easy all the time, but at least it's fairly clear. Belief is about entrusting our lives and future to the teaching and to the way of Jesus. 
But when it comes to the repent part, I'm not sure we're, we're totally clear on that because I think in a lot of cases, we assume that to repent means to stop doing a bunch of bad things and start doing some not so bad or more Jesus-y things. Like I repent of eating so much dessert or more seriously, I, I repent of telling lies or something like that. And, and that's certainly part of what repent means, but the word repent literally means to turn about, and it more accurately refers to the changing of one's mind. To repent is to change your mind, to allow an aha moment to happen, to allow your mind to be blown by the reality of Jesus, who he claimed to be, his invitation to you and the, the, the role that he wants to play in your life. And then in response to that repentance, in response to that change of mind, you believe, you entrust your life to that new information and new understanding of Jesus. That's what it takes to enter into a relationship of following him, to repent and believe. But the wild thing is that it doesn't stop there. In fact, in a life of faith, that's just the beginning because a life of faith is continuous and ongoing and lifelong. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Just as you first entered into a relationship with Jesus, you are to continue in that pattern as you deepen and strengthen and further your relationship with Jesus. And so, if you think about it, if the way you first enter in is through this two-step of repenting and believing, all a life of faith is, to boil it down, is the simple repetition of further repenting and believing, further new understanding about Jesus, and further entrusting our lives to him in faith. And so if it required our minds to be blown and to experience an aha moment to start our faith relationship with Jesus, well, certainly then it requires more and more continuous mind-blowing aha moments with Jesus to sustain our faith relationship with him. It's not just about starting that relationship, but sustaining it in that same way. So it shouldn't surprise us then that when it comes to the work that God wants to do in us as we're following Jesus, that it would have to do with the way that we think. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says there, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Allow God to renew your mind. Allow God to work in your mind in such a way that he can stimulate and trigger further mind-blowing aha moments of understanding and revelation of Jesus. So if we take a step back, I don't know if we've ever appreciated the significance and the importance of repenting in the faith dynamic, but when it comes to starting a relationship with Jesus, when it comes to sustaining a relationship with Jesus, and when it comes to God stimulating our relationship with Jesus, it all kind of starts in our minds, allowing God to create greater and greater degrees of aha moments, allowing our mind to be blown is what it takes to start following Jesus. Allowing our mind to bl be blown is what it requires to continue following Jesus. And allowing our mind to, 
to be blown is the way that God wants to work in and among us moment by moment every day. That's why as part of this August series we called Reopening, as we consider not just the ways that we're reopening as a church in this season, but more importantly, the ways in which each of us personally and us together as a church family need to be increasingly open or reopen to God, we wanted to spend at least one of these mornings focusing on the degree to which our minds are open to God. Because an open mind is not just a prerequisite to starting a relationship with Jesus, but it's prerequisite to sustaining a relationship with Jesus, and it's prerequisite to the work God wants to do, stimulating our relationship with Jesus. And openness of mind is what it's all about. So as we think about a life of faith then, I want us to kind of reduce it to, to probably its, its two most simple terms. I'd want us to, first of all, appreciate that when it comes to a life with Jesus, a, a life with Jesus is an ongoing journey of discovery. It's a lifelong journey of learning. Look what it says in Colossians 1.27. It says there that God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the Apostle Paul writing, uh, someone who wrote the majority of the New Testament, one of the smartest and most well-educated faith people who ever lived. And yet even the Apostle Paul refers to the way that Jesus wants to work in our lives as a mystery. We need to appreciate that faith is mysterious and adventurous, and it's a lifelong discovery that requires a teachability of spirit. If we're going to embark on a life of faith, especially if you're tracking with us today and you're just considering that for the first time, appreciate that a life of faith requires uh, not just a posture of teachability, but an expectation that it's going to be a lifelong journey of learning in discovering and rediscovering things about this mystery, which then, I think, secondly, requires us to not just appreciate or expect this journey of learning, but actually embrace it for ourselves, to not just learn for learning's sake, to not just learn for information, but for transformation. You look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 18. It says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. And I think this is what Jesus was referring to in the New Testament when he said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. There is an aspect to a life of faith that is contingent on the mindset that we bring and the expectation that we will always be learning and discovering new things in order for God to reveal further aha moments where he can blow our minds with new realities about Jesus that can inspire and stimulate a deeper faith and a further experience of his life and love among us. I'm sure for some of us, as we're thinking about that, you're starting to get unsettled with that idea in the same way that I was unsettled talking about my experience of the pickling incident. Because the truth is, when we imagine opening our minds up in that full and complete way to God and living a lifestyle of ongoing aha moments, well, that can be 
incredibly destabilizing. You know, if just one of those, you know, pickling moments makes me wonder whether I've got anything in my life right, it makes me wonder what else I never knew and what else I got wrong, the same thing that can happen in our lives of faith, where, you know, all of a sudden we discover a a new interpretation of some scripture, and it actually makes us kind of go back to zero and wonder whether any of the scriptures have been interpreted properly in our lives. It it can be foundation shaking at times. And again, it can stimulate that sense of hesitancy to embrace that open-mindedness at all. I've once heard someone describe a life of faith as being born again, again and again and again and again. And I know, you know, when I've had those moments of conversion, not just, you know, that first moment back when I was 10 years old at a summer camp, but in an ongoing way, every time I have one of those moments of conversion, it makes me feel like the former version of my faith understanding wasn't really faith at all. And so I'm hesitant to engage in future kind of layers of new conversion, because if I do, I'm going to look at this current version of my faith as almost faithless to some degree. And so it only triggers further and further hesitancy because to further construct a life of faith in Jesus Christ always requires a degree of deconstruction in order to rebuild and to renovate for the future. And so if you're feeling that hesitancy today, know that you're not alone. That's part of the destabilizing, unsettling insecurity that uh, approaching God with an open mind can have on all of us. But here's the thing. The alternative really isn't an option. The alternative to approaching God with an open mind really isn't an option when it comes to the life that Jesus invites us into. I know as a preacher, people often ask me, you know, what it's like to be a preacher and, you know, what kind of feedback people will provide you. And, you know, I I know that most people are trying to be encouraging, but I I will share uh, from time to time that the one kind of feedback that I'm most uncomfortable with is when someone comes up after a message or they send me an email and they say to me, Jeff, that was right on. That was right on. If you've ever said that to me, know that that makes me extremely uncomfortable because even though I know that most people intend to say that as an encouragement, kind of as an affirmation, if you listen to it, you know, what, it, what it reflects is actually a validation that the teaching that I provided or the teaching that God provided through me aligns with the person's current understanding of faith. It's a validation of the alignment of a person's current understanding to say that was right on according to my current understanding. And whenever we do that, it actually postures us as the true north of faith. It, it kind of betrays the, the, the attitude of openness and teachability because it kind of postures us as the true north of biblical understanding, the true north of theological orthodoxy, and the true north of spiritual maturity. And every time we say, yeah, that was right on and ensure that something aligns with where we're at, we're setting ourselves up as that true north. And if you think that the mysteries of the universe and all of the wonders of the way that Jesus wants to work in our lives and our world are defined by our current biblical understanding and our current theological orthodoxy and our current spiritual maturity, well, that's just ignorant and arrogant, isn't it? And it's not the life of faith that Jesus invites us into. It's not loving God with all of our mind. You know, personally, I think about the way that the late Rachel Held Evans described this once as a faith 
evolution. And I thought today that I would share a little bit of her description of the posture that she understands this faith journey requires in her through this short video. Check this out. my faith is always adaptable to new information, new revelation, new insights, new people. Um, you know, we, we don't want the kind of faith that's solid and frozen and, and can't be changed, that isn't yielded. I hope that my faith is yielded and um, that it's, as Christianity has evolved through the centuries, changing and adjusting on those peripheral issues when we're faced with new information, I hope that my faith is too. I mean, there was a time when a geocentric universe or a fixed earth was considered to be central to Christianity and anybody who disagreed with that didn't take the Bible seriously. Well, you know, we Christians for the most part began to see that, well, maybe a geocentric universe isn't a fundamental to the faith. Well, in the same way, I think there are issues today that we make, we think are fundamental to Christian faith, but just simply aren't. And so I hope that my faith is yielded enough to let God sort of slay all the false fundamentals in my life. Uh, we tend to do this. We tend to find doctrines or theologies or political positions, convictions that we think are fundamental to the Christian faith, but that turn out not to be. Um, I hope that I'm yielded enough, willing to change enough to let some of those fundamentals go. Uh, I used to be more of a fundamentalist, and the way I describe it is I was a fundamentalist not because of the beliefs I held, but how I was holding them. And I was holding them with a death grip. I was holding them so tightly I was leaving fingernail imprints on the palms of my hand. And I think what God is teaching me to do is to hold even my firmest convictions with an open hand in a posture of surrender, really. This is a posture of surrender so that God can come along and change my mind if I'm wrong about something. It's a scary thing to do to hold your beliefs with an open hand, but I don't know how else to be yielded to the Spirit um, unless I'm willing to hold even what I believe to be fundamental with an open hand. So practically speaking, how do we do that? How do we live in that posture of yieldedness where we give God in an ongoing way an openness of mind? How do we more practically overcome that hesitancy, that fear, that scariness, and that aversion to do that because of how destabilizing and unsettling it can be? Practically, I think if we can do three things today, we can experience a greater degree of open-mindedness. Number one, we need to be clear on who the true north really is and that it's not us. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do we understand, are we just super clear, that Jesus is the finish line towards whom all followers of Jesus are journeying, that Jesus is the true north, not us. Number two, can we admit that God is beyond us, that that finish line is beyond our current understanding, beyond our, our, our current capacity to grasp the mysteries of heaven and, and the universe in the same way that God describes in 
Isaiah 55, 9. He says there, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can we appreciate that that finish line and that the understanding of the fullness of Christ is beyond us and we always have room to grow? If we do, then I think we can play our role, one that Jesus described as the role of seeking. We can embrace the adventure of new learning by seeking him in the way that he described in his most famous sermon recorded in John chapter six, where Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, so often in church circles, we'll refer to someone who hasn't yet embraced a life of faith as a spiritual seeker, someone who's just kind of checking out the church or the claims of Jesus for themselves, and they're kind of investigating in hopes that they would one day experience that aha moment. They would discover who Jesus is and the life that he invites them into, and they would entrust their lives to his teaching and to his way of life. They would become a follower of Jesus through repenting and believing. But as we think about the the way that God wants to not only start a life of faith, but sustain a life of faith and stimulate our life of faith, I think we need to all appreciate that Jesus invites us all to be spiritual seekers all the time for our entire lives on earth. And this August, that's the posture and that's the way of life that we want to invite every single one of you into. Can we approach God and approach each other with a new openness of mind, with a new embrace of fresh ideas and fresh revelations where it's okay to allow God and each other to blow our minds with aha moments? Because personally, I believe that in this season coming up, as we further and further reopen, that God wants to unleash new revelations and new experiences of the depths of his love and new opportunities for us to connect and belong like never before. But we're never going to experience new. We're never going to go fuller. We're never going to go deeper. We're never going to go beyond unless we're prepared to allow our minds to go beyond or enter the new or expand past our current capacity and understanding. Will you allow your life and your mind to be blown by God? Will you allow yourself to experience a further degree of aha moments in your life of following Jesus? That's the question for me and for us this August as we reopen, because we will never fully reopen as a church until we're people personally and together who are willing and yielded to reopen our minds to the fullness of the mysteries of God. Let's pray together. Jesus, right here and right now, uh, I just want to ask that you would do your renewing work among us, that we wouldn't conform to the patterns of this world and even the patterns of religious traditions and backgrounds that maybe, maybe many of us came from but that by your risen, powerful spirit, you would renew our minds. And not only would you renew our minds, uh, Jesus, inspire us to embrace a greater degree of your mind-renewing 
work. Help us to embrace a greater degree of adventure, a greater degree of mystery in this life of faith in you. And I pray that as we give you a greater openness of mind, that we would find you faithful to reveal more of yourself in fresh, in new, in fuller, and in deeper ways. Because as followers of you, that's what we long for the most. We thank you that you want to do that among us, Stir our minds this summer in preparation for a more fuller reopening this fall. We thank you that you want to do that, Jesus, and we look forward to watching you work in your precious and powerful name we pray. Amen.